Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. All right, good morning. How are you guys doing today? Hi, see you. Well, yeah, right on. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Hope. My name is Danny. My wife, Jenny, and I, we, we founded Hope Church with a group of friends, um, some, of, some of who are here today, um, and, uh, in 2011, and in 2017, we Scotts Valley, and then 2021, we began a partnership with the Coastlands Church in Aptos, and we've been kind of essentially functioning as one church in three locations, and we that official January 1 under a new name, Trade Winds Church, and so that's exciting things happening right now, um, and just to give you guys just context for those of you who don't know me, um, we love this church, we love you guys here, and I'm, I'm stoked to be you today. Chris is teaching over in Aptos, and Tim is speaking up, and we're just introducing Tim and Nicole up in Scotts Valley. They're still going to be, hold on, I know. Oh, <laughs> they're so sweet. Aren't they great? You guys have been well covered here. Uh, we're going to celebrate them, and then we're going to install them officially up there before the end of the year, and we'll be announcing that uh, through email. If you don't get our email, make sure you fill out one of the cards. Uh, we'll be announcing that as well. So, But we just wanted to introduce them up there to the people in Scotts Valley, and I always have trouble with the mics, don't I? You think I'd have this figured out by now been at this for a while. There we go. How's that? Can you hear me now? Um, yeah, so Tim and Nicole, we're going to be introducing them. It's, if, if you haven't been around to hear the family news, you know, this is like when, when God is moving, he moves things around sometimes, right? And we have to also like be excited about that, but also sometimes we have to grieve that and, and process that and talk about that. And so Tim and Nicole, who've been here with Chris and Amy as co-campus pastors for the last two years, they've been with us for five years, um, they're going to be stepping into Scotts Valley because Chad and Jillian, our Scotts Valley pastors, are going to plant a new church. And we get to be part of it. So it's kind of like we're having a baby, in a way. We, we're going to have a baby in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, and that's where they're moving in January, and they're going to just get to know people in the community. And I'm coaching them through this thing that I'm a part of called Foursquare Multiply. We have a church planting network uh, where we have about 100 planters in the pipeline right now, and they're going to be one of those plants that we help plant. But directly out of our church, we're going to be planting them in the same way that we sent Joe and Katrina Gruber to Portland to plant All City Church and the blessing has returned to us with Aaron. You guys know Aaron who leads Skate Church? Him and Kylie just got married yesterday. Woo-hoo. So good stuff happening in the family. Um, but it, it's bittersweet, right? It's kind of like Chinese food. It's sweet and sour at the same time. So we can celebrate that God is doing something new in Longmont, Colorado. We can celebrate that God's doing something new uh, in in Scotts Valley with Tim and Nicole. And we can celebrate that God's doing something new here in SoCal as well. Amen? And because he's always with us and his plans are always good. And he's always made a way for us. Amen? We can look back on the faithfulness of God. But who's ever, like, really blown it here? Anybody ever just, like, totally blown it? 
So today, anybody, anybody, anybody so far today already, you blew it? <laughs> okay, well, I, I'm right there with you. Um, but growing up in my family, our summer vacations were all about the road trips, okay? And we didn't have like, we didn't have screens back then, so we would literally just like print out these maps. We'd go to AAA, and we'd get the free maps from AAA, you know what I'm saying? And then we would go and we would just drive on these road trips and we wouldn't know where we were going to stay for the night. We would just like land somewhere and we'd like look for the sign that said no vacancy or vacancy, right? Anybody remember those days? Some of you got younger people, you're like, wait, this is, how did they survive back then? How did they do this? And so me and my sister were in the back seat in the station wagon and she was probably four and I was probably six or seven years old. And we would have, you get really bored. I mean, we're talking hours and hours. And we were somewhere between Las Vegas and Moab, Utah. We were doing kind of like the, the big circle of the states, you know, going to check out Zion National Park and the Grand Canyon. We got to do this really cool road trip with our family. But like, you know, you get bored back there. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have Nintendo yet. This is like pre, pre all that stuff. So we were like... Um, we would like, you know, play tic-tac-toe on the seat. Or we'd play this game. Anyone know what slug bug is? If you see, vo anyone know what a Volkswagen bug is? Right. You could do this now with Teslas, right? We should do this with Teslas now. Bam, Tesla. We would punch each other every time we saw a Volkswagen bug. And that was like the games we would do to pass time. And then eventually we'd get bored and I'd get to, up to some mischief. But let me just... So I thought it'd be funny to take my sister's bunny and roll the, roll the ear up in the window. But let me just preface this. This wasn't just any stuffed animal. This was Bun-Bun. Bun-Bun had been with her since she was, like, born. You know, day one. Crusty, kind of the pink had turned to brown and grayish, you know, like boogers rubbed on the thing, whatever. I mean, it is gross, this little bunny. But it was her bun bun, you know what I mean? And it was with her, by her side all the time. And I thought it'd be like a dumb big brother. I thought it'd be funny to roll. So I rolled, the win I rolled her, uh, I put the bunny's ear in the window, and I rolled it up. And she goes, no. And like all in slow motion. I don't know how it happened, but it happened like this. And so I just remember it in slow motion. I realized, in that moment, I realized that I committed the unforgivable sin. I messed with Bun-Bun. And in that moment, she recognized that I committed the unforgivable sin. So, like, this rage overcame this tiny little thing, tiny little girl. And so she goes, no! So she reaches for Bun-Bun across the back seat. I don't even know how with her seatbelt on. She somehow, like, lurches across, and she grabs Bun-Bun, Meanwhile, I'm trying to roll down the window because I realize what I did, and I'm, I'm, you know, you ever have to backpedal a little bit? I'm backpedaling, and she reaches, and she grabs Bun-Bun, and simultaneously in slow motion, she rips the ear right off of Bun-Bun as I roll the window down. Like, how would you even time that if you planned it, right? And somewhere off the interstate between Las Vegas and Moab, Utah, is Bun-Bun's ear to this day. To this day, we've never found the ear of Bun-Bun. And then from that day forward, my little sister was walking, she would be always, with, she would, was inseparable with this bunny with one ear. As a reminder of my sin, 
And I'd look at that, and she'd look at me and growl, you took Bun Bun's ear. You know, it's unforgivable. We're, we're, we're really good friends. It was, it was her birthday a couple weeks ago. We, she came for a visit. We hung out. She's since forgiven me. Aren't you thankful for forgiveness? I mean, like, that's kind of like a silly story, but, like, what about the stuff that we've done that we're actually, like, regret? You ever have, like, wake up, you know, thinking about something that you did or said that haunts you? And you're like, man, I wish I could just rewind that one and backpedal that one. We all have done things, and I'm so thankful that we have a God that forgives us. Amen? I'm thankful to be part of a community that's built on forgiveness. Uh, We're studying this famous sermon of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. We're calling it the master class, right? Found in the way is the title of our series. But this is like a master class with Jesus. We're getting his heart. We're getting his, his, he's teaching us. And as disciples, as followers of Jesus, we want to sit at his feet and learn. Over the last few weeks, we've been learning how to pray. Hasn't that been cool? Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And here's the prayer, and we're going to do, we're going to look at the scripture right after this, but I want to read this one last time as we kind of wrap up this, this ser- section on the prayer. You guys want to read this with me? Should we put it on the screens? This is Matthew 6, 9 through 13, otherwise known as the Lord's Prayer. In this manner, you want to read with me? Ready? One, two, three. In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What a cool prayer. I I actually pray this prayer every day. For me, this is just a part of my daily meditation with the Lord. Oftentimes before I get out of bed, I just pray slowly through this prayer, and I ask God to just show me something where my heart needs to change or what I need to do differently as I pray this prayer, not as a repetitious religious thing, but really as, because the whole point Jesus is teaching us here is it's not about a formula. It's not about a transaction. If you do this, then you get this. We prefer that oftentimes, don't we? God, just tell me what to do. I'll check the box, you know, and I'll feel good about myself. But he doesn't really let us do that. He wants to invite us to relationship. So this prayer is meant to be not a transaction but a bridge to relationship. So keep that in mind when you hear this next line because it's a commentary. And notice that he mentioned something that he mentioned before in the prayer. It's the only thing that he goes back on and, and, and gives commentary. It's the only thing that he mentions twice. I believe Pastor Tim taught about forgiveness. Forgive us as we forgive those who trespassed, right? Just a few weeks ago. And now here I am teaching it again because Jesus is teaching it again. So he just taught us how to pray, forgive others, forgive us and forgive others, But then, right after the prayer, there's a follow-up commentary. And Jesus says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father 
will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. It's kind of heavy. Have you, like, really thought that through? It, and, and we have to remember it in light of what Jesus just taught us. It's not about a transaction. Because I think if you just read that, we've got to be careful reading an isolated scripture and just, just looking at it at, as that and taking it outside of the whole context of what Jesus is saying. Because he just told us it's not about a formula. It's not about a transaction. But when you read that, it kind of sounds like if I don't forgive others, I will not be forgiven. And I believe what Jesus is trying to, because we know that our salvation is not based on works. We know that. That's, that's the bigger theme in the scripture. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, not by works, lest anyone should boast. So we know it's not works-based, but there's also this principle here about forgiveness. And I think that if I could describe it, I would say it like this. When we come to terms with just how desperate we are in our own need for forgiveness, to, to repent. I know that's like not like a really catchy, popular phrase these days, repentance, right? Sounds like, I don't know what, that's what you think of when you hear that word. Repent! The end is near. Um, but it's a really good thing, and I want to talk about that a little bit today. Um, when, we, when we come to terms with how desperate we are for forgiveness, it's only naturally that we would live a life of extravagant grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Amen? This describes the rescued life. We're living the rescued life. So what's happening here? Jesus just gave his followers a format for rethinking how to pray and engage with God. In that prayer, he touches on forgiveness. Why does he mention it again? Of all the elements in the prayer we just unpacked over the last few weeks. Jesus only follows up on commentary, gives a commentary on just one. Why is that? The answer is found in the historical context here. When you read the Bible, you always want to read it through the lens of when people were reading it, who it was written to, right? And Matthew is writing down the gospel of Matthew for not just us. It was written... Uh, it was written for us, but it wasn't necessarily written to us. Does that make sense? He was writing this to his peers in 2,000 years ago, and they had, rely, re, re, they had kind of uh, arrived at a place of religious comfort that resulted in this idea that they didn't really have a spiritual debt. They had, as a people, they had lost their ability to recognize their own spiritual impoverishment. Sin to them had become merely an inconvenience done away with through practical ritu- practice ritual, and they lost the ability to feel the weight of it, right? So Jesus, like, they're looking for a Messiah who's going to come back and be this awesome political leader who's going to kick Rome's butt. But Jesus came, and who paved the way for him? John the Baptist, Right? And John the Baptist said, repent, the kingdom is at hand. And the idea of being baptized for a Jew, baptism was what a Gentile did to become a Jew. Does that make sense? So this is like a very humbling thing to do. If you're already in, why am I doing this to, be, to, get, to become in? 
and the mess the message there that Jesus gave was that and he said you must repent and be baptized and be born again you got to start all over again and this wasn't a popular message with some people that met him in that day yes many people came to him many people were healed uh, many people received the good news but by and large people rejected his message because it wasn't the Messiah that they were looking for right even before the cross when Jesus is facing when Jesus is facing Pontius Pilate and the trial before the cross the crowds were given the choice between Barabbas actually his name was Jesus Barabbas did you know there was two Jesuses in the story they were given the choice between Jesus Barabbas who was an insurrectionist he wanted to kick Rome's butt and take back the land right and Jesus, who was willingly laying down his life, teaching a message of repentance. It wasn't the popular message. And so Jesus, um, still today, is leading us in a message of repentance for forgiveness. And I, that, that really is a big heartbeat behind why we started this church, was because Jesus came for people that are lost. Jesus came for people that are broken and people that need God. And yes, there's a lot of people in our world that don't feel like they need God, but the reality is we all do. And in fact, I've never met a person yet that said, I can't come there because I'm, uh, you know, it says no perfect people allowed. I can't come to that church, right? I've never met that person. The reality is we're all, we're all in need of forgiveness. We're all in need of mercy. Amen? Um, I would say like this too. I think I think in the culture we live in, a lot of people the emphasis is on belief, but it's more than just belief in Jesus. It's a heart that says I need to be rescued. It's a heart that says I need to be forgiven. And that heart, when we have that heart, we we begin to live the rescued life because we offer that forgiveness. We can become conduits of God's love and mercy. Does that make sense? There's a big difference between being self-righteous and living the rescue life. Because when you're living the rescue life, you recognize that there's nothing you could do in your own strength to serve God, to follow God, to, to make it okay. In fact, we're so broken. That, have you ever thought about this? I love what my, 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 na- my old neighbor said. I'm so glad you started a church because so many people are effed up. They need it. I'm not, but I'm glad you did that for them. Aren't you glad he feels that way about us? Um, have you thought about this, though? Like, we're, we're so broken. We're, our sin is so bad. We're, we're so effed up that God had to die for us. That's kind of gnarly when you think about, like, our sin, it's not just like, oh, I sinned, I made a mistake, you know. But like, we're act, like we were in rebellion against the creator of the universe who loved us and is the source of life and all that is love. And we rejected that. And in the same way, Jesus walked among us, and what did they do? They rejected him. Because he said, you need to start over. You need to repent. You need to be forgiven. 
And not everybody wanted to hear that message. And I think not everybody wants to hear that message today. But I would encourage you, I would implore you that you need to be, you need to be rescued. Because we, if, we don't, if we're not rescued by God, if we're not forgiven by God and shown great mercy for our great brokenness, we'll never know how to love others. We'll never know how to show that forgiveness to others. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here when he says, you know, if you don't forgive others, you're not going to be forgiven. Because he, he's, he's recognizing the principle that unless we truly embrace our absolute poverty and brokenness, that we cannot do anything to get out of this bad situation that we're in without God's grace and mercy and his power, we're hosed. Amen? So without that, that we, can't, we can't show grace to others. So my main point, I've got one point for you today. Here's what it is. The way of Jesus leads us to live the rescued life. What does it mean to live the rescued life? I've got a video for you guys. This is great. You got that video, Dustin? I know I'm going ahead of the, or Reese. You're back there. Thank you. Let's see if this video will show. Did you guys see this the other week? This is like last week. We had some great waves last week. It was awesome. I had my, my friend was visiting from El Salvador, and it was just like pumping waves the whole time. Like, it's like this all the time here. And uh, it was great. To, it was a great week to be a surfer. But what happens is people visit from out of town and decide, you know what? I've always wanted to try surfing. That sounds so fun. And they don't realize it's a six-foot high tide, and there's like 15-foot waves coming through. And they almost get killed. And, I mean, they literally, you get out there and, you know, if you don't realize if you're not riding a board that you can duct dive, you're getting these foam boards and you're getting pushed around. If you get caught inside, you're not going to be able to get back out. You're just going to get pounded against the rocks. And it was so bad that the fire department shut down the street and lowered a crane to lift these surfers out That's how gnarly it is, right? They could not get out on their own. They were, if you, if you saw their faces, they're down there paddling. After you're paddling for about an hour, you get pretty tired, and you can get really injured. So if you're thinking about going surfing and you've never done it before, don't go out when it's big. <laughs> Take a surf lesson. <laughs> but um, my point here is that's, that's our situation, right? Our need for forgiveness is so great that we... We can't lift ourselves out of the water. But the reality is, if I'm honest, I wouldn't be caught dead getting lifted out of that thing. Especially as a surfer, right? Having everybody in town see you get lifted out. I don't want to be rescued. If I'm honest, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy. I would much rather paddle out myself. Do you know what I mean? But that's what God off that's all God offers us. The only good news there is is that you can be rescued. You can be forgiven. You can be saved. I know it sounds like religious. I got saved, man. But like think about it. Like we got saved. Like from death to life. I was so you guys, I was so empty. I was so broken. I was so 
angry until Jesus found me and saved me. And you could ask Jenny, my wife. She, she knew me before. I was gnarly. And I know some of you guys, it's hard for you to imagine that, but I was like really mean. It still comes out once in a while when somebody drops in on me when I'm surfing. But, um, no, but I, was, I was really angry, and like God just like lifted that out of my life. He saved me. I was so broken. I was so lost, and he saved me. And that's God's heart, you guys. Luke 15, if you want to get God's heart for people, read Luke 15. He starts out talking about a lost coin. And how valuable that lost coin was and how they were so bummed when they lost it. And they looked everywhere for it. And then he talked about a lost sheep. It's getting a little more personal. Here, like, loves your dog. You love your cat, right? So that's like people in the Old Testament or the old days. They're like, they're like little sheep. You know, they're a little lamb. They're raising them. They named it. And, and so this little lamb was lost. And this person looked everywhere. They searched day and night to find their lamb. And then, it, then he tells a story about a son who walks away from his father says, hey, I want, can I have my money now? I don't want to wait for you to die. I mean, how rude is that? I'll just take, my, I'll just take the inheritance now, and I'm out of here. And he just bails, and he goes off to Vegas and parties so hard. He goes nuts, dude. It's just like the endless party. He do, I mean, that's literally what he did. I mean, he didn't go to Vegas, but he just he went off, and he spent everything. How many of you guys know you have a lot of friends when, you've got, when the cash is flowing, but when that runs out, so do the friends. And there he was. He found himself so desperate and lost that he was eating with the he was begging to eat with the pigs. And some of you guys know what I'm talking about in life, right? We've been there where, man, we are so lost that we never thought we it would be this low. We never thought it would be this bad. But God rescues us. And what happened was the son, he comes back to the father, and the father doesn't stand there like this. You know, looking back in shame, the father runs to him and hugs him, puts a ring on his finger, puts a robe on him, throws a party for him. That's God's heart for us, you guys. But that's not the only reason he told that story. Let me read you the second part of the story. And I want us to, like, actually hear it not from the one who's li- We often hear it from the one that was lost, which I think is important. But I think it's also partly why Jesus told this story. He told parables. He told stories that were powerful because depending on where you're sitting on the story, it could mean something different, right? But he was talking to the lost sheep of Israel who didn't see themselves as lost. They thought, hey, we're in the family. We've been coming to church every Sunday. We, we give a tithe. You know, we do all the stuff. We check all the boxes. But they were, they were rejecting him in their hearts. They were doing all the good deeds, but they were missing God. And so he's speaking to the older brother in the story because there's an older brother. Remember? He, ha- he throws a party for the one son that was lost, and he comes back. But then the older brother was like, how can, you know, he was, he was bummed. He was mad at the, at the younger brother. It says, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours 
who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you killed the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. When we live the rescued life, it changes the way we see others. Amen? And we can be happy for others. We can, we can extend forgiveness to others um, instead of um, casting judgment. I've been guilty of that, you guys, casting judgment on people. But God, when we live the rescued life, it allows us to see other people the way that God sees them. Amen? Okay, a couple thoughts for you guys. What does it look like to live the rescued life marked by repentance? I just have four, four things for you real quick here. One is gratitude. When, I get, when, when you get airlifted out, when you get, when you get rescued out, and you recognize what God has done for you, there is a sense of gratitude that we can have. It's not entitlement. I don't deserve this grace. It's God's love and mercy for me, and I can be great, grateful for that. Number two is that I could be grace-giving, right? Freely you receive, freely you give. And in the same way that we, we can be conduits of God's grace, when we recognize how much grace we've received, we can be conduits of that to other people around us who need it. Thirdly, we can, be, we can have a generosity of spirit, right? We can have a generous spirit because we've received so much from God. It makes it easy to, to, to offer that to other people, to be generous, not just with our time. You know, stop and talk to people and take the time. I think that's important in the world we live in, right? Anyone here, you recognize, we, we got to sometimes slow down so we can, we can actually see what's in front of us. I know for my wife and I, we just, we have kind of a regular rhythm of taking time. Um, and so this last week, we took some time off to be together. And the Matleys had our kids, and we just had a few days to just cruise and sleep in and, like, go for walks and pray together and read the Bible. And it was, like, actually so good. Um, it's funny, you know, all those things that you pray for, having a family and a spouse and kids and the house and the, all the stuff we pray for, what happens is you realize you, have, you get all that stuff and then you have no time to enjoy any of it, right? Unless you are intentional to slow down and take that time to see each other. And so we're just walking and talking and praying and God like is bringing out all this stuff that we haven't talked about because of just the busyness of life. And there's forgiveness needed, right? And, like, I'm like, yeah, please forgive me. I could have listened more. I could have been uh, responded better than I did. And I could tell you more if you, maybe it's TMI for you guys. I don't know how much you want to know. But, we, you know, we, we get into it, you know? And, we, like, we live real life. And then we, we, we bump into each other and we say things that hurt each other. And then we have to go back. And our, I'm so thankful I couldn't be married if it wasn't for this principle of forgiveness because I blow it all the time. My wife will tell you. You can ask her. <laughs> um, and then, so gratitude. I got all these G's today. I got four G's. Gratitude, grace-giving, generosity of spirit, and the genu genuineness with others. 
right? When we, when, you know, it's hard to be prideful when you're getting, when you're getting pulled up on a crane. And, and if I'm honest, that's why I don't want to do that, right? I'd rather not be rescued. I'd rather, because of my pride. But that's the only way into the kingdom of God. The only way into the kingdom of God is I got to be willing to let go of my pride and just stand there and ask God to pull me out and forgive me. Um, there's a really cool story of Jesus in Luke chapter 7. If you have time this week, you could go read it. Um, one of, just one of the most powerful illustrations of this, and there's, there's a number of people Jesus is eating with um, these religious leaders and this woman who apparently was known as being sinful know, came in to this place, and she had this bottle of perfume, and she washed Jesus' feet and put perfume, and she, no one knew this, but he was going to die, like, shortly thereafter, and so she actually was performing um, what they would do for somebody, preparing them for burial. Like, she was tuned in, and she was, like, pouring out her heart and her tears because she was forgiven a lot of stuff. We apparently... Her heart was broken, and she was crying, and she was washing his feet with her tears, and she broke this expensive bottle of perfume on Jesus, and 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 the people watching were, they were they were upset, they were uncomfortable, because do you know who this woman is? Do you know what she's done, and why why would you waste that perfume? Why wouldn't you like sell that? You know, it's it's really valuable, and Jesus says something really profound here. He says, therefore I tell you. Her many sins have been forgiven as, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. How are you challenged by the words of Jesus to live a rescued life? On a scale of 1 to 10, how, how great is your love and forgiveness for others? How easy is it to extend mercy to people that are totally blowing it. And I say that not to ask you to condemn you, but I say that to ask you as a gauge for how much you've received his mercy and his love. Because the answer isn't to try harder, to be good, put on the pretty face. The answer is to get broken and go, God, I need you. Help me, rescue me, forgive me. because I need to be forgiven so that I can give that good news to others. Amen. That's the gospel. The gospel is good. It just means good news. Do you know that? It's good news for lost people. But if you're not lost, then it's not good news for you. We need to be forgiven. Um, One final, you got time for one final story? I was uh, thinking about forgiveness recently because my son, Kale, he's nine. He's been this fearless little dude. I don't know what it is. Like, my daughter, Ruby, she was more sensitive. Like, if she saw something on, like, a cartoon or she'd, like, you know, it would, it would, it would scare her or whatever. And this guy, he, like, he could pretty much, I mean, we don't watch Quentin Tarantino with him, but he could probably watch it and he'd be fine. I'm not going to. But um, <laughs> you're like, Wow. Hold back the judgment. Hold it back. Um, but, like, he's 
he's he's been that kid. He's not sensitive. But then recently, he started having um, these like scary dreams. And and I was with him. We were at the boardwalk, his favorite place. He asked every day, Dad, can we go to the boardwalk? Dad, every day. And I'm like, okay, yes. So we're at the boardwalk. I don't know, like a month ago. And I just had that. It was pretty crowded. It was like a Saturday, you know, and it was like a sunny day. And so there was, you know, you've been over there when there's like a lot of people. And I just had the talk with him. You know, like you got to have this talk with your kid. We're like, hey, he doesn't have a cell phone. I have no GPS track. I mean, I got a GPS chip on my dog somehow. I'm required to have that. I have no way of tracking my kid. They make you do that these days. I don't know. But, like, and I, and I realize that. And I'm at the boardwalk, and I'm like, Kale, if we get separated, what are you going to do? You know, and his eyes was like, whoa, crap. I don't know. You know, because I wanted him, like, think about it. Like, hey, so meet at the double shot. You know my phone number. You're going to get a phone, and you're going to call me, right, and meet me at the double shot, right? So we just had that little, like, you got to do that with your kid, right? I, I had no ill intention there. But that question for him evoked a ton of fear. And I think he's at the age where he's like, he's starting to realize, like, you know. And so he started having nightmares about somebody, like, throwing him in a bag and kidnapping him at the boardwalk. And he's, like, not sleeping. He's having these dreams. He's having headaches at school. And I'm like, and, and uh, I feel terrible because I asked him the question. And, and I know that I didn't need to. I, I know that I, in my heart, it wasn't wrong. But I, I, um, I actually was talking with my mentor. I was having coffee with him down south uh, at a conference a couple weeks ago. And he's like, have you thought about just um, asking for him to forgive you? And I was like, I hadn't thought about that. But I came back from my trip. And I first thing I did, I came in the house, got all dropped off all my junk, and I was like, I'm going right for I'm going right for this dude. You know, I gotta talk to him. So I go to Kale and I just sit down with him and I said, Hey, I want to talk to you. And I I said, you know, do you know what forgiveness means? You know, Justin, will you come here for a second? I wanted to show him like what forgiveness is, you know? And so I said, I just I grabbed his arm. Can I grab your arm? I just said, Do you know what forgiveness is? Forgiveness, when someone hurts, does something, and it hurts, we hold on to them. And forgiveness is, is letting go. And thank you, Justin. And I just said, Kale, I know I didn't mean, I didn't mean to scare you, but I, I asked you this question, and I just want, I want to ask you, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me, son? And, you know, of course, he goes, Dad, I forgive you. I wanted my son to understand that principle because even though I didn't mean to hurt him, it did hurt him, what I did. And I wanted to show him this is an important principle of life because what happens when I hold on to somebody I'm I'm not just holding on to them. In fact, they don't you could be holding on to someone they don't even realize it. You're not even you're not even harming them. But what are you doing to yourself? You're holding back 
that forgiveness of God in your life. When we hold on to somebody and we don't, we choose not to forgive. It's like, it's like we're, we're, you know, it's like you're taking the hose and you're just kinking it. Because we can't be a conduit of God's love and mercy if we're holding on to people. Amen? We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find Hope. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.